All right, let me try not to mess this uh, intro up here. All right, welcome back to the Undraftable Dogs podcast. We hope you enjoyed the first episode. We appreciate everyone for listening. And remember to follow us on Twitter at UndraftablePod. This week, we're going to dive in to a couple different things. Cap Talk with John, a new segment called My Guy, and finish up with AFC QB rankings, with NFC QB rankings coming soon. With all that being said, John, how you doing tonight? Doing well. Doing well. How are you? Good. Great. I, you know, we listened to the first episode and I think it sounded really good. Again, I appreciate everybody listening and I'm excited to continue on and see where we go. So uh, with that being said, I think we'll jump into uh, cap talk with John. John, I know you had some things you wanted to talk about with the cap. I know you said it would be short and sweet, but uh, go ahead, my man. Yeah, kind of just wanted to do like a free agency primer, just wet our whistle a little bit before we dive into the free agency stuff once the new league year starts. So right now with COVID, the 2021 cap is still up in the air. So it's, it's an estimation. So we're estimating about 185 million. Okay. And currently our 2021 cap for the Browns sits just over 185 at 185.12. So we've had a ton of cap rollover leftover cap space from the prior year we've been rolling it over for years now but we've because of the covid cap we're kind of it's cutting into our rollover so we carried over 30.37 okay. from last year and that puts our as we sit today our total cap at 29.74 with i mean with the draft coming up obviously our rookie wages are going to take some some out of that of like eight or nine million so that'll put us at 20 million roughly of course before free agency after the draft obviously with the draft being post free agency but after all of that into consideration we've got 20 million to spend and we'll want to continue to well they probably want like 25 million in wiggle room to be honest so i think just a couple candidates for maybe some restructures maybe to be cut i mean they really have to keep their options open with the cap being so constricted this year. So just real quick, Adrian Claiborne, kind of spot duty pass rusher for us. I mean, I know when Miles was out, he kind of stepped up, but yes, he's at three and a half million. We can save three if we cut him. So three million from him. If we, God forbid, if we do something with Jarvis Landry, he goes from fourteen point seven five to three. Three million of dead cap, so we have eleven point seven five saved from <laughs> cutting Jarvis or trading him, or I don't want to, you know, start a fire or anything, but sure, yeah, it's a possibility. So Sheldon Richardson, he's at thirteen six. If we cut him, we'll save twelve million. Chris Hubbard, big free agency signing from a few years ago, mm-hmm. we cut him. He's at just under five million. We cut him, we'll save two point eight. And then Case Keenum, I think. They want to keep him around, so he's probably a restructure candidate. But this year he's at seven point three three. I know they don't want to, they don't want to keep paying him that. I mean they like having him around, but if if we sure. were to cut him, he'd he would uh, he'd save us two two million two point one six million. So with with all those guys, say we cut all of them, I mean we're we're looking at a pretty good ch- chunk of change there. Real quick, twenty five, probably about. 30 million just so we go from having 20 million in leeway to having 
50 million, which is a big difference if, if they want to go Correct. after a different, a different kind of wide receiver in free agency or draft a receiver early, maybe fill some of those other needs, cornerback edge in free agency. That, that gives us a lot more wiggle room to be had. And I think we could have a better roster with as sad as it is some of those guys not being there. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting too, because I think fans, you know, look at it this way and I get it. It's the first year we've had success for a minute. Fans look at it this way and say, well, we have Jarvis. He's a culture guy, which he is, you know, Sheldon Richardson played his butt off. He seems like he gets along with everybody in the locker room, but when it comes down to it, this is why players say it's a business. It's a business, right? The Browns, if we want the Browns to be good, they've got to be able to be flexible with the cap, but they've also got to be able to maintain talent. Um, and I think you hit on the head there with Jarvis, and this is just my opinion. At $14 million, I love Jarvis, love the guy. We're not going to start a fire here on the pod, but even if we can get him down to being $9 million a year, you know, maybe we guarantee some more money and we can get that extra $5 million, that's a huge difference. That's an extra, you know, defense and cornerback safety that we can get to help our team. Yes, he still gets his paid his good amount of money, but we are able to add to the team. And I think that's the biggest thing that I took out when you're talking about the cap is the fact that we need to do kind of like addition and then subtract some contract, whether that's a cut or a restructure. Right. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Uh, I don't I don't want to see anybody go. I think Case Keenum is kind of interesting to me. I wonder if that's almost like they did that, and that could be possibly a, a restructure candidate because he knows he's not going to play see the field right. on the, with the Browns. You know, can he can he take his seven point three million dollar um, you know salary, and then can he go down to like three and a half or four? That's that's another little chunk that we could take and get another player with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to know. And it uh, brings a light. You know, a lot of people on Twitter are just talking Jarvis restructure. There's a lot more guys on this team that could restructure other than Jarvis. We're going to we'll, we'll pop into our new segment called My Guy. Me and John are going to go over. Um, we'll probably do this a couple of times leading up to the draft. We're going to go over a draft prospect that we really like, you know, kind of give some information and see how they fit in with the Browns. And that being said, I'll let uh, I'll let John over here take it away and go first. Okay, um, so you picked your player first. I kind of wanted to do this a little different. I don't want to, you know, both of us picked, you know, safeties or something. So <laughs> right. we went offense, defense, you picked offense, or you picked defense, so I went offense. So I, one thing I did want to concentrate on when we're doing these is kind of with the prospects, what can he do? What can he do? I wrote that at the top of mind. So we yep. want to concentrate more on what we can see these guys being, not – what they can't do as college players. So the guy I picked, the wide receiver, he's a four-year player from Iowa. His name's Amir Smith-Marset. How Iowa runs their offense, you're not getting a ton of production from any of their players, but we'll just go through it here. So he <clears throat> he's 21 right now. He'll be 22 when he's drafted. So that fits within our age parameters Yes. for our, our uh, front office and their analytics. So he's four-year player. Played all four years, so played in 43 career games. He had 110 receptions, 1,600 yards, 14 touchdowns. He actually ran the ball a significant amount, 34 rushing attempts for four touchdowns. Most of those runs were like jet sweeps and end arounds and stuff like that, which is translate to our offense. We we like doing that stuff. He's kind of kind of a deep threat and bad quarterback play. I think hindered his. His overall production, it hindered it a lot. 
he would have to kind of slow down and get catches broken up. So he's 6'1", 180, kind of, kind of slender. In high school, he was a good, pretty good water polo player. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. He, yeah. Um, yeah, water polo. You don't hear that a lot. So he had a track background. He ran 13.97 in the 110-meter hurdles, which is pretty fast. It's not world-class, but very fast. So he returned some kicks at Iowa as well. He had a couple of touchdowns on 53 career returns. So good production there. The the Iowa offense, I know I tweeted something about this earlier, but I kind of found myself watching Tristan Wirfs a lot. <laughs> no, that was kind of that was one of our guys last year. Right. And we got we got Jedrick Wills, but Jedrick's good and all. But Wirfs was our guy before the draft, and we were kind of hoping we were kind of hoping that uh, we could get him. But that that's neither here nor there. So the big thing with Wirfs was the similarity with the scheme. Right. From Iowa translating to the Browns, and I, and that that works probably better for Smith Marset than it does Worfs, honestly, because all the end arounds and kind of gadget stuff that we did with Jarvis, I think he could do really well. His actual play, let's get into that. So I noticed from the jump, soft hands. He plucks the ball out of the air. I mean, leaping one handers. I mean, diving in zone catches. He hurdles defenders. He's at. We all love a good hurdle. He's got a couple yes, we do. <laughs> pretty good hurdles on film. He also hurdled and fumbled against Mississippi State in a bowl game, which that's – I mean, those things happen. Um, he's not afraid of contact. He's, he's a small guy, but I saw him fight through press pretty well. He's physical for his size. I mean, 180 pounds at 6'1", pretty lean. Yeah. But he, he plays physically. Um, his route running solid, I would say. It's not – He's not a proficient route runner at this point. I'm just eyeballing it. I would say he's probably 4.36 to 4.41, probably in the 40. And I know we don't have combine testing this year, but just eyeballing it, that's kind of how I felt. He stacks cornerbacks vertically really well. So that's something that we need a ton in our offense. And if we can get a guy like that, I think that would really help our our uh, underneath routes with – with Odell, maybe some our tight ends in the middle. Yeah. Uh, when when he when he gets into the air, tremendous body control. I, I saw him. He kind of pushed off on one and contorted his body, snatched the ball out of the air. Really impressive. Blocking, I would say, <laughs> not great. He, his frame, his frame isn't necessarily built for blocking. Obviously, he he may never be an above average blocker. Some other fun tidbits, he was arrested for speeding and driving under the influence in November of 2020. And his last play of his career, he scored a touchdown, a 53-yard touchdown against Wisconsin, but he did a front flip into the end zone and hurt his ankle. Oof. Yeah, so in our offense, I I would see him as a Z. So he would be playing essentially in Richard Higgins' spot from this past year um he could play in the slot he could take over some of jarvis manufactured touches like the ends around sweeps little options all that stuff we do with jarvis Mm -hmm. um and one thing i thought of just watching him move that meme where it's like oh can we get this and then the mom's like oh we have this at home i thought they're the kids asking for Devonte smith and the mom's like we have Devonte smith at home and it's a picture (laughs) of amir smith marset that's kind of what i felt and then i would say late day two to early day three pick is probably his range. Our our fourth round pick, I think, maybe pick pick him at a 
at 110. I okay. think that'd be a good spot for him. Yeah, that's um, that's you know, I love that fact. Obviously, I haven't seen a lot of uh, play, uh, but that Devonte Smith, <laughs> that's pretty funny because it actually comes into my guy. I rolls into my guy here over on the defense because I kind of have a um, I kind of have a funny comp on, on my side here. So we're gonna roll over and that's great, John. My guy was uh, obviously on the defensive side of ball. Wyatt Hebert uh, out of Kansas State. Been big on him this year. I, when I was watching him play, I just liked the way he, his motor, his motor was crazy. Uh, just watching him play, he definitely wanted to get to the ball, which is a big thing, obviously being on the defensive line. He, he just looks like a ball of rage. When I'm watching when I'm watching his highlights, and obviously I'm not privy to the film, but uh, watching his highlights, he is just he just goes, 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 which is which is great. A lot of times you see guys, they'll make plays and they beat but it doesn't look like they're they're like giving effort, almost like effortless. Well, this guy looks like he gives a ton of effort and it pays off. In tw- in 2019, he was using the B gap 46 times. Uh, when seeing some of the highlights, he made multiple plays. Uh, and and when I exactly looking at those highlights, I can remember two uh, sacks that came off him being in the B gap. I believe one of them was against uh, Oklahoma when Hertz was there in 2019. Runs, runs, runs. I'm gonna say that a lot, but. Uh, in 2020, he spent a lot of his alignment outside of the tackle, 506 snaps, which was a lot more. I want to say almost 100 more than he did in 2019. Obviously, he was able to generate 10 sacks and 25 hurries. Um, motor seems fine when I, again, attack, attack, attack. Uh, could be using a NASCAR package. And this is kind of where I was thinking uh, going with him on the Browns is if he's played so much in the B gap in college and has done well enough against – guards and centers, and obviously they're not always NFL caliber. Um, but having him inside rushing with Miles on the outside, on the same side, or even inside and someone coming to the outside on the opposite side, he's going to maybe get that one-on-one matchup with a um, with a guard or a center, and he's he should be more athletic and quicker uh, t- to, to win those fights. So that's where I see him as. I know the biggest knock on him right now is his length and disengaging on blocks is what I was, you know, when I was going through uh, scouting reports. Overall, he was right around a 75 PFF grade, which I thought was perfectly fine uh, for him at Kansas State. I thought he's done very well and uh, seems to seems to really be able to bend those highlights. He was bending against those tackles. Crazy. I, I just the the way he moves is is, is great. And um, so my comp when we go back to the Devonte Smith, <laughs> me, my comp is a poor man's version of J.J. Watt. And the reason why I say that is, is I feel like J.J. Watt has that motor, right? Now, he may not have it as much now, but when he first came out, I just always felt like he was always given that, you know, cliche 110%. And I just yeah. – that's what he reminds me of. Like, he's just a worker. I feel like this guy's going to go in there and work. And, um, you know, he's obviously not going to be a day one pick, most likely. But fourth to fifth round pick, yeah, rotational rusher with upside on run plays because he played the run very well. Um, a lot of scouting reports talk about that. Like they said, he played the run very well for for an end. And a, t- a lot of times his highlights were playing against the RPOs in the Big 12. And every time it looked like he made the right call when he was in those highlight tapes. Um, but yeah, that's that's my that's my guy. I, I, I really do like him. I think he would be great uh, in a rotation. I know we have Weaver coming back um, this year if he's healthy. That's another guy. And then We've talked about it before. We have Claiborne and Miles. If you add them to the mix with – add this guy to the mix with a free agent possible, I mean that that pass rush becomes way more vaunted um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I would definitely say, uh, you know, late two, early early three-day uh, 
pick kind of just like your guy, and uh, that's that's what I'm seeing right now with uh, Wyatt Hebert. Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're just over here taking our guys and and, and plugging them in. We, you know, it'll, they'll probably go the opposite, and we probably won't see either of these guys in Cleveland. But um, yeah. o- overall, it's just you know, hey, this is who we like, and uh, uh, we always had our guys every draft. And you and me have t- talked about many times how. Uh, I think a couple of years ago, you and me were both really big on Chris Jones out of Kansas City, and we really wanted him. And it's just sometimes you just see somebody you really like, and they are able to blossom in the NFL. It's really cool. So going into the third topic of discussion here is AFC QB rankings. Uh, I know I teased earlier on the pod that we were going to go into a future pod and do NFC QB rankings, but right now we're going to do AFC QB rankings, and we're going to go through the north, south, east, and west. And, uh, you know, uh, John, I'm going to let you go ahead and start with the North here. Go ahead and get us started off. Do you want to start at four or do you want to start at one? You know what? That's a good question. That's uh, I think it's more fun to start at four. Uh, let's do four this time. And we can we can mix it up. Okay. Go ahead. Four. <laughs> I, I feel like four has to be Roethlisberger. Um, you saw you saw his play and it wasn't great all season, but the, his arm just isn't there anymore. It's just not there's mentally sure he has it but he's he just doesn't physically it's just not there anymore right yeah I, I mean i mean honestly and and looked into retirement right so like to me yeah if you're already looking into retirement do i really need to put you any higher than the last place in your division so right. yeah I, I i would agree with that now um i'm guessing three we would have to go burrow right is that is that what we're thinking have, here yeah that's and it's nothing against him but Physically, he's not the most gifted passer, but mentally, he seems he he really has it mentally. I mean, the guy is his processing is as fast as a rookie that I've seen in a really long time. So I think with with how some of the other quarterbacks in our division have played, I think Burrow has to be three right now. Yeah, and I mean, and I I think I could argue too if you're if a you know Bengals fan pops up and listens to this or a Steelers fan if you're given Roethlisberger, the benefit of the doubt last year, if we're going kind of off of last season into this season, Burrow could be four, too. I mean, there's the three and four could definitely be flipped here. Obviously, we know with Roethlisberger's dead arm, the mental uh, mental capacity is there. Um, but with Burrow, like, did he really have a, a full body of work? Are we going off potential? Because if we are, then three is fine. But if we're going off just what we've seen so far, I think that could be like 4A, 4B, you know, <laughs> one of those yeah. situations. But, yeah, I, I would agree. Burrow at three. I mean, that's kind of like if we're just kind of going off matter of fact and Roethlisberger on the downtrend of his career and Burrow's kind of trending up as long as he comes back healthy, I think Burrow at three is the, is the obvious choice. Number two is kind of probably where we, we're going to get some difference here. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing we're going to get a little bias and we're probably going to go Jackson at two. Well, I don't think bias plays into it. <laughs> people, people can call it bias. I, sure. I, I try to be objective. Yeah. I try. But Jackson is going to be two. Um, he's MVP, MVP. Obviously, he should be number one, right? I, I don't necessarily think that's true. I, he's quarterbacks are as much a function of their surroundings as they are. They change their surroundings. It's it's fun to say that quarterbacks are by far the most important individual player. Yes, but one versus ten, that that value kind of gets washed out by the other 10 guys. The other 10 guys value is equivalent or exceeds the quarterback. And that's not, that's not something a lot of people are going to say, 
because a quarterback as an individual is probably as valuable as two or three others. But when you have 10 important pieces versus one extremely important piece, it kind of gets weighed out. So Jackson, I think he was in the perfect situation, perfect offensive line, perfect scheme, perfect receiving weapons, and that MVP season. And I think it just that's that's going to be. I don't know that he'll ever have statistically a, a year better than that in his career. Not many people do. Not many quarterbacks do. But Jackson is a player right now. He's two, and to me, he's closer to three than he is to one. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. And, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you because I think we have the same mindset. Um, and this is not, not a knock on the guy, but when you just see some of the, the balls he puts up in the air. Now, he's made some good sideline throws, and it kind of goes, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. But he's put a lot of balls in the middle of the field that are just ducks. And I've said this, and I'll say it until the cows come home, right? Like, Denzel Ward plays that, that Ravens game, and we beat him. Because I think him and Mayfield were going punch for punch, and I really think if we had a, just one more corner out there, not MJ Stewart trying to cover Hollywood Brown, we would be in a right. lot better position. But again, that's you know that's in the that's in the past. So, but w- with Baker being at number one, obviously, uh, to me, it, I saw something on Twitter. Someone called him a system quarterback, and I'm like, are you saying he's a system quarterback because he can play in any system? Because he literally played in every system you could play in three years and into the NFL yeah. with five different coaches. But Mayfield, to me, it kind of does everything a, a little bit. And it's kind of – Joe Burrow could creep up and go up to number two at some point because Burrow's kind of the same way. But, you know, Baker, you know, finally able to say, okay, I can run for a first down. Okay. Yes, I can keep the play alive. Now, my one knock on Mayfield this year was I think he had a lot of intentional groundings that didn't need to be necessarily – being thrown and that's something to improve on. He's still a younger quarterback. He's finally comfortable in the system. Um, but yeah, Jackson, number two, I definitely agree. If we're bringing in the run factor and only looking at the run factor, Jackson's probably the best quarterback in the NFL, right? Well, we're not, we're, we're not just doing running factors. We're doing passing and running. So I would think, I would think I would agree here. Mayfield at one in the AFC North. Well, the, the thing about running, uh, not to make this too long, but it's, it's our quarterback we're talking about. The thing about running mm-hmm. is the most important thing with, I think, running in the NFL is extending drives. Like third down runs, it doesn't matter how many yards they're, they're for, but if you can get a third down conversion from running with your quarterback on passing downs in passing situations, that has more of an effect than a quarterback being able to run his own read on first down. And Jackson, obviously what he, what he offers – actual on design run plays is there's nobody close there, there just isn't right however it doesn't take it there's a certain level of athleticism there's like an athletic floor that you have to be able to hit like you have to be able to run not that a 40 is athleticism and that's the end of the sentence but you have to be able to if you can run a 4 8 40 you can convert a third down for 7 8 11 yards that's what matters in throwing situations that if the defense has to account for you, period, that's it. Do we have to account for him? No. Do we have to account for him? Yes. That's all that matters. It's not, he runs a four, two or he runs a four, six. That's not what is important. Can they convert? Then the defense has to allocate resources. That's the most important part. Obviously Jackson gives you the best version of that. Sure. But there's, there's probably 10 quarterbacks on our list right now of the 16 that can do that 
And just because Jackson can do it best doesn't mean that he's that he has any stake to number one just because of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and honestly, to, to say that, like, if we're going to include running, then does Chad Henney make the list because he crippled the Browns in the playoffs with that right. first down? That's and I, and, too and soon. I think, too yeah, soon. Too soon. I know. I apologize, everybody that's listening. That was way too soon. But to put a trigger warning <laughs> on the podcast, we do. But to, to my point, right, like if Chad Henney, it gets that gets that put in his arsenal, you know, and he he's able to get a first down like that. To me, then I, I what you're saying holds true and goes, okay, yes, Jackson can can do it too. But if multiple quarterbacks can do it too, then you have to kind of go, okay, what's what's deciding who's better? Okay, can you throw in a tight window? Can you do certain things like that? And yeah, Baker can, and I think Baker does it better than Jackson. I think that's what gives you the edge there. And now I'm not saying it's a huge gap, you know, I'm not saying Baker four steps down than Lamar. I'm just saying right now, Baker is the better overall quarterback in the AFC North. I agree. Yep. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's we move on. Talk about that all day. Let's, yeah. Yeah. We'll go uh, AFC let's go South. Yeah. South, let's, South works. North, let's, South, go, West. let's go. Let's we'll go. Uh, four. <laughs> four. Yeah. Go ahead. Four is a big question mark. Um, <laughs> what are the Colts going to do? What are they going to yeah. do? Um, but in our most recent mock, we'd given them Mac Jones. There's quarterback trade targets for them. So yep. ultimately, I guess my question is you, who the, who the heck is this guy going to be? I mean, right. Who's it going to be? Well, I mean, if we listen to our first pod and you, and you about 30 minutes of that is your Mac Jones rant. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably Mac Jones, right? So let, let's just say all intents and purposes, it's Mac Jones. Okay. They don't trade for anybody. They get Mac Jones. He's the fourth best quarterback because he's a rookie. Even if they were to get to me, Carson Wentz, uh, Trubisky, I guess Darnold maybe would move them up a little bit if they got Darnold. But Trubisky to me and Wentz, I don't. I still think they would be sitting fourth in the division with either of those two guys or a rookie. They would have to actually, to me, go to the next step, which we'll get to Darnold, you know, in the next segment. But I think right now they're at four, regardless of. Who they have, unless it's another, it's an upper tier above Wentz or Trubisky. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, we put him, we put him at four for a reason. So, yeah. three, another rookie quarterback probably, which there's some lunatic out there who would probably put him higher than that, but we're we're not going to do that. So, three, we're going to put Trevor Lawrence, uh, yeah, the, the presumed number one pick. Correct. Um, we don't need to go too far in depth on him. Indianapolis is a question mark. The two guys above are established quarterbacks. Lawrence has to be three. And, I mean, you can see the potential for a Justin Herbert-type rookie season, given the weapons and everything working together. I'm not saying he's going to break any records, but the guy could come flying onto the scene and win offensive rookie of the year. That's, That's a pretty likely scenario, I feel like. Yeah, uh, I would agree, and I will just say this. I know we're going to have a future fantasy football you know, segment down the road when we get closer. LaVisca Chenault stock goes to the roof if he gets Trevor Lawrence. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, that, that guy, you get the ball in his hands, he's going to be all over the place. Uh, Urban Meyer is going to have a lot of fun with that. With that, should we do a, a retroactive Lavisca <laughs> Chenault, my guy segment? You know, hey, I, you know, obviously we didn't have the pod back then, but anybody that knows me. Anybody that knows me, I was talking about the, you know, Chanel all the time. Big fan of his at Colorado. Uh, his story is very cool. Um, 
I just, yeah, was a big fan of his. But, uh, yeah, I would agree. Trevor Lawrence at uh, three. I think that's easy. And then uh, – so, obviously, everybody probably knows who's number one, so we'll just go to number two. It, two's Tannehill, resurrecting his career, right? That has to be number two. Absolutely. Um, the funny thing about Tannehill – it's not funny, but it's interesting. The interesting thing about Tannehill – so, they did – they broke down the past two years – it was at some point during this past season. I can't remember exactly when it was. So essentially Arthur Smith's entire time as offensive coordinator to whatever point it was, whatever date. And Ryan Tannehill's like average game stats were almost identical to Patrick Mahomes over that period. It was like 22 games or something, 28 games, whatever it was, they were almost mm-hmm. identical statistically. Interesting. And you could call Tannehill a system quarterback. You'd call, Whatever you want. But, I mean, the guy has success and way more success than people give him credit for, I think. Correct. Not enough yep. success to make him number one in the division, especially with Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. But I think Tannehill, he's a former receiver. He was a receiver. He came in as a quarterback, switched to receiver to get playing time at Texas A&M, and then went yep. back to quarterback late in his career. And I remember one of my one of my tweets from back in the day. It was a Browns-related tweet, and I said, whatever we do, please don't draft Ryan Tannehill. And we drafted Trent Richardson instead. So maybe oh, I was wrong a little bit, Oof. a little a little wrong about that. So Tannehill, I'm sorry. You're, you're number two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What, oh, man. What could have been done if Trent Richardson had the eyes of Nick Chubb? God, we won't go there, though. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, number one is obviously – Watson, uh, weird situation down in Houston. He probably won't be number one quarterback in the South for very, uh, very long because he'll probably be moving somewhere. But um, I, I was never, I'll be honest with you, and I was totally wrong, and people probably call me a moron, but I was never a big Watson guy in, in college. And then he got into the NFL and played that game against the Bengals, and that's what sold me. And I was like, okay, this guy's good. Like, you know, and obviously it was his rookie year and everything, and, and rookie years sometimes can be better than others, but um, his overall like play with without any real real weapons there because they trade deandre hopkins for a bag of nothing and you know they have they really have nothing out their running back situation is horrid they have maybe one receiver and will fuller who's not going to be there anymore he's gonna be a free agent most likely honestly what jj watt said to him coming off the field at the end of the year that they wasted one of his years is true i think he's one of those quarterbacks and i hope it doesn't happen He's one of those quarterbacks that we could be talking about like, man, he was just good his whole career, but he just never had that that team to take him over the top. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad what that roster and that organization has become. I, I mean, I know it was never a tier one organization, but things fell apart quickly there. Yeah. Very yeah. quickly. They just – one of their vice president or something just resigned, and they brought in another, air quotes, character coach, another – like Jesus guy, which that's a whole nother discussion entirely. So hopefully something positive happens for Deshaun Watson in the future, because you'd hate to see him be squandered in a dumpster fire of an organization like that. Yep. And, you know, I always got, I kind of always got, um, I felt like it was a personal attack when people were like, Oh, you don't want that quarterback going to Cleveland. It's a dumpster fire. And and now I kind of stepping back when we have a good organization, what I feel like a good organizational background and, and Baker, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I can see why people didn't want quarterbacks coming to us because we're, we're literally the, you know, the Houston Texans at one point. Yeah. So 
I understand that long, now. Long period of time. For for much longer than they were uh, currently. Yes, for a long period of time. But we'll just we're gonna jump into the east now. We're gonna get uh, out of the south and we're gonna go into a little more interesting of a uh, division here. And we'll start with number four. I mean, I'm already predicting it's probably gonna be whoever the heck is gonna play quarterback for the Pats, right? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we don't have an option other than that. I mean, we saw how. I don't know, lazy or confused they were in the quarterback market last year. I was yeah. that really baffled me. I know that when Cam Newton signed, everyone's like, "Oh, they got Cam on a steal and blah blah blah." And it's like, "Yeah, they did," but their offense around him sucks. Like, they, I yeah. mean, just plain bad. No weapons. They took Nikhil Harry in the first round, and I mean. I don't know. I hope it works out for him, but that nothing that they've done at receiver in the draft over the past 10 years has worked. So I feel bad for whoever the quarterback is. I know. So I saw recently Jared Stidham was, was training with Jordan Palmer. So hopefully oh maybe Stidham will be the guy. I, I don't know, man. I yeah. really don't. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because even if there are free agent or trade targets, they're not going to do anything. They're just going to sit on their hands. Yep. So We'll just yeah. move to number three. Um, two and three, kind of an interesting discussion here. Trajectory-wise, I mean, maybe you think that Darnold is three because he's this is this will be his fourth year and he hasn't shown much. But that organization, another dumpster fire. Yes. And schematically, I think what they're bringing in, the Packers coach's brother, whatever his name is, that scheme, that Shanahan scheme, Darnold was built to play in that scheme, and I that scheme makes quarterbacks look better no matter what but it's it has a west coast old school west coast offense base for the passing game and i think darnold is an old school west coast quarterback he's perfect for that scheme and i think if if they are going to commit to him which we've said based we'll just go off our most recent mock we've said that they're going to do that yes i think you could make the argument at darnold for two just as well as you could to it too. I'll let you take over this and then we'll kind of come to our final conclusion. Let me know what you think about Tua versus Darnold. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good explanation uh, to me, to me, Tua got hid behind Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and the beard probably covered him up more than anything. I watched, I watched a lot of Miami games down the stretch because obviously there was playoff implications with the Browns. And um, it just seemed weird to me that, Tua, who's going to be your air quotes future, is getting benched for this journeyman quarterback. And now I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's a funny guy, and he's he's not a bad journeyman. But I think they were trying to obviously win and get into the playoffs because that builds culture or that builds kind of a better winning culture than it does like barely getting in or tanking for a, a good pick. But my issue is is I want to know what I have in Tua. Tua looked Tua looked fine in a lot of you know in a lot of games, but then you put him out there because I think Fitzpatrick got COVID nineteen the last week and they had to play the Bills, and the Bills just destroyed him. Now, obviously, the Bills are a game away from the Super Bowl, and that's a different type of path for each uh, organization right now. But I would have really liked to see Tua play more for me because of the uh, fact that they had to hide Tua so much. Uh, to me, I just put I put Donald at two. Two is at three, but they're not far apart again. It's almost like a two A two B situation. I just prefer Donald right now, but if Tua will actually not get hidden and they actually allow him to make mistakes, I, th- I think Tua could potentially at some point be the best quarterback in the East because then obviously we know who's number one right now in Josh Allen. Yeah, with 
with Tua, I think it's kind of like the the price is right. Like here's here's this toaster and uh, microwave, <laughs> but behind this other door, which one would you rather have? So it's Darnold is Darnold's not to make him a toaster or a microwave, but two is kind of the the door number two. It's like what what is he actually? Because we didn't get to see him in all these late game situations, and some yeah. of his if you want a box score scout, some of his stat lines were less than impressive, and I think physically they're they're built much different and their play styles are different but their skill sets what they are is sort of average armed accurate allegedly quick processing quarterback so i think with donald in a new scheme and hopefully a good scheme for him maybe get some more weapons around him to a second year in the system well chan gailey retired so i'm not entirely sure what that system will look like so (laughs) we'll We'll see. I think the two versus three. I personally, I like Darnold more. I liked him more before the draft. I probably like him more right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Darnold at two, two okay. at three. Yeah, um, I, I, I think overall that's kind of when, when we were just, you know, our thought process being very similar. It's, you know, what are you going to show me? And two is being hidden, so two hasn't shown me much. Right. So Josh Allen at one. Yeah. That's, it's pretty. Uh, that might be the easiest. Well, it's it's one of the easier ones, I think. <laughs> Allen, kind of the infrastructure around him improved greatly. Yep. His footwork has improved greatly. So you kind yes. of had it's you had these two not historically bad, but two bad first years with flashes. And Allen's a flash guy. You get you get these flashes. There's not, but two or three people in the world that can probably do what he does. And he, he gives you, he gives you a little taste. He gives you a little taste, but he has all these boneheaded circus plays sandwiched in between. And I think he started to limit the boneheaded circus plays and start to convert his deep passing numbers this year. were you know, top five, top 10 after being bottom of the barrel for the last, for his first two years. So Josh Allen, the, the deep ball passer, Josh Allen, the quarterback, scrambler, design runs. He gives you anything and everything you would want from a quarterback, and hopefully he will continue on the path he's on and limit those mistakes more and more as he goes through his career. Yeah, and I mean, there's not much to add uh, here for Josh Allen because he said everything uh, that I'm thinking. Only thing I'm going to say is, uh, uh, you know, retro my guy segment. was yeah, a big fan yeah, of Allen yeah. coming pat out. Your, pat yourself on the back. All right, moving yeah, along. I will. <laughs> All right, we'll go to the West here. And, uh, I mean, kind of a terrible dad joke. The lock of this uh, division has to be lock at four, right? I I feel like they have book book end locks in this division. But, yes, lock at four. He's (laughs) physically gifted, physically gifted. You get um, inaccuracy with them, a lot like Josh Allen, young Josh Allen, new Josh Mm -hmm. Allens. Yep. Not quite as much inaccuracy. So – They've kind of surrounded Locke with with some weapons offensively, and they're young weapons. Typically with young quarterbacks, you want to surround them with veteran weapons so that at least one of the two has an idea what's going on. Hopefully Locke continues to grow into his own with some of those young guys. Yeah, I mean, I think we even off, off the air have talked about the the amount of weapons he, he has in Denver. I mean – Honestly, you see the weapons there, and if you were to take him out of the equation and you plug in, let's say Donald from one of our other um, division topics, 
how good would Darnold be in this situation? You know, with all these actual like weapons, and you know, a, uh, I would say maybe a decent offensive line wouldn't be wouldn't be great. Their offensive but, uh, lines really started to improve. Yeah, they um, have. Yeah. Mike Munchak's second year. The guys, I mean, Garrett Bowles had, you know, as good an offensive tackle year as anybody, and he was mm-hmm. he was before last year he was a first round bust, you know. Yep. So Munchak's really got their offensive line playing pretty solid. Is is good. You really only need average for your offensive line. And I mean, that's that's really all you need. You don't you don't need people to be blowing people up every day you really just need like 2.7 seconds of protection and that's it and you as long as you don't have a horrible offensive lineman at one or two of your spots you're you're probably going to be average overall yeah uh i agree i mean i think we've talked enough about lock here because uh we haven't talked that much about any fourth place quarterback that much um he's, so he's just that interesting he's yeah he yeah his uh music taste is interesting you know super gangster over there with jc <laughs> uh that, that clip cracks me up every single time he's over there jamming out i'm just like man you are you're not you're not good enough to be jamming out on the uh sidelines there but not so. yet maybe one day <laughs> So we'll move on to number three. And now this is this is interesting because, like you said, we have bookends at both ends. We know already who number one is, so it's obviously uh, Chad Henney. But uh, number three and two, eh, you know, you could. This is almost kind of like our argument with um, to a Darnold, right? So who who would we say would be number three? Well, my my gut initially told me Derek Carr, but I'm yeah. not so sure about that now. Derek Carr is kind of he's a guy that's going to give you essentially what's there whatever's there he's going to get you okay there, he's not he's not going to make anybody open he's not going to you're not going to get any crazy pocket breakdown scrambling throws across his body 60 yard t- you're not going to get any of that stuff from Derek Carr right but at at those things he's he's pretty darn good so with his if his supporting cast is a top 10 supporting cast he's going to be a top 10 quarterback if his supporting cast is you know, 25th, he's probably going to be 15th or 18th. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of the discussion. You're you're getting a veteran guy, a guy who's a leader in that locker room, a guy who's on the same page with the head coach, a guy who's on the same page with the offensive coordinator. And with Herbert, you have a guy who really has one year of pretty good football. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't as much as the fantasy football gurus want to say. He he was not an elite quarterback right. this year. He was not. I mean, he's he's good. He's pretty good. But that was one pretty good season. So with a new offensive coordinator, with a new head coach, with some of those weapons kind of changing, with some of the changes on the offensive line, what what does he look like in a new system? And and we've seen before record setting rookie seasons, changing the head coach. Sometimes that stuff doesn't work out. Okay, yeah. so Derek Carr at two, Herbert at three. After I've kind of molded over, I'd be I'd be cool with it either way, honestly. Yeah, and uh, like we like we said earlier with the with the two or Darnold, it's kind of honestly like what do you look at? And I agree with you. I think after thinking about it, what you just said, yeah, I mean it's almost a Brown situation, right? Where Baker goes yeah. out and smashes it, and then obviously I don't think. I don't think Herbert will side more on the like getting comfortable, but you never know. You don't know. You don't know the makeup of the guy. Maybe he's like feeling himself and he goes, okay, I'm good. I have the rookie record. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I definitely think if Herbert, even in a couple 
the first games next year shows that he's the same guy, then it's clearly he's number two because I feel like Derek Carr, you're not going to get anything more, like you said, out of him than what he's, yeah. what he's given you. So Herbert, I think it's very close, and all Herbert has to do is really prove at the beginning of the next year um, that he can keep maintain his um, his pace and, and play better, and then he's number two. And then rolling into number one with, with Mahomes, I mean, there, there's just not much to be said. He's he's the He's the guy everybody's chasing, in my opinion, in the AFC, if not the NFL. And uh, it's just it's kind of hard to replicate anything that he does, but he's easily the number one quarterback in the West. Yeah, just make sure you don't say anything bad about him. Yeah, we won't. Uh, we won't. Hopefully, this doesn't get you know publicized down in Texas. You know, nobody nobody tweets at us or anything. Um, so we won't be on no, any TikToks no, anytime. No soon. parents or <laughs> family members or dance videos. Yeah, dance videos. But yeah, I think overall, uh, John, this was a great experiment. I'm excited to see what we do with the NFC because I think there's a couple more hot takes in the NFC than there is in the AFC. I feel like we will uh, be interested to see how that works out. But uh, overall, I think uh, this is great. We'll definitely bring back the My Guy segment. Uh, maybe uh, next pod we can go – we'll switch. Maybe I'll do an offensive guy. You do a defensive guy. We'll see how that works out. But uh, do you have any last words for the listeners? Rank the rank the four numbers one number ones real quick. Oh, no, real, real quick. Um, uh, Mahomes, Watson, Watson, Mayfield, Allen. One and two, I feel pretty good about, but I I don't know about three and four. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Let's that, be biased. Co- Let's be biased. Mayfield three. Mayfield three. I like that. I mean, honestly, you, you showed me a stat earlier. Um, when he had twenty one dropped, uh, should have been intercepted. I yeah, mean, that's, that's that's old. That's old Josh Allen. He didn't go away. The, no. What 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 you saw was a perfect storm, and we saw that in 2019 with Lamar Jackson. Maybe we saw it this year with our buddy Justin Herbert. You never know. Yep. Perfect storm, man. Dropped interceptions. Little little bounce here, little bounce there. In 2019, Mayfield had like the worst interception luck in the league. He had like nine or 10 passes that were interceptions at fault of offensive players, because for some reason he throws a fastball and our dopey receivers bounce it up into the air and the defense picks it off. That happened nine or 10 times. So, and he had, he had more in turnover worthy plays, interceptable passes this year. Mayfield did than he had in his interception column. So you, you kind of see, the, the, if he is the guy that played from after the injury week seven on, that interception number will stay in the five to ten range with fluctuations either way. Maybe he'll have one of those Josh Allen 2020s where the defense just can't catch his ball for whatever reason. Right. And sometimes you'll have the one where they just pop up in the air three or four times more than they should. So that yep. that's a big thing with – and people love to do box score scouting – they they love that stuff. Well, he had 37 touchdowns. Okay, but you know, with with Mahomes, that Chiefs offense, they're they're doing all these shovels, dumps, touch passes. They're they're getting a lot of things that aren't actually air quotes passing touchdowns. They're getting credit for passing touchdowns. So there's tons of fluctuation and numbers don't lie, but statistics do. Yep, I, I would agree. And uh, I saw earlier this. This week, someone tweeted out that said, oh, P- PFF, that's the end-all, be-all. And I kind of tweeted back and said, no, it's uh, 
pro football focus. It's the stats. It's the eye test. It's the film, right? You got to put them all together to understand what the player actually looks like. You can't just rely on analytics while you just can't um, rely on statistics. And you can't just go, oh, eye test. He's throwing one really good ball. And we're all okay. That makes up for the last five balls that have been really bad. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Overall, you need everything for the for the grand picture to understand what you're really looking at. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, that's great. And uh, honestly, we hope everybody catches, no pun intended, this episode this week. Um, and uh, I'm guessing, I guess uh, maybe for a, for a name, John, we go with uh, air quotes ranks. I like that. Where do you rank, my guy? So go with something like that. And um, we'll catch you on the uh, on the next episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy your weekend, my man, and uh, go Browns. This segment has been brought to you by Tack Wrestling Shoes. Selling and trading quality wrestling shoes to collectors, coaches, and, of course, wrestlers of all ages. Train, attack, conquer. Tack Wrestling. You can follow them on Instagram at TAC underscore wrestling 15.